0: Whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson, man. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 95. We are five episodes away from 100 episodes, and you guys know I have something planned for it and some stuff in between ready to go. What are we going to do today? What are we going to talk about? So, if you haven't noticed, there was a big NBA move. The Hawks traded for DeJounte Murray. Very excited about that. We're going to talk about that for sure. We're going to talk about how the class of 2023 with Clemson shows a lot about the culture and why they're not certainly going anywhere. And then we're going to talk about Mac Jones and how he is the X factor for the AFC East moving forward and how his play will dictate how this division is determined. Very excited about all of it. Very, very excited indeed. Man, I'm so excited. I'm repeating myself. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I just want to clear things up before we get started, guys. I'm going on vacation for a while. So videos are either going to be scarce or few and far between. I just don't know how. All right. If something pops up, I'll definitely make some reels about it or maybe a TikTok. We'll see. But uh, excited about it. Excited to get up and get out of the house and just be able to be with family and friends. Very, very pumped for it. But hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We are on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Let us know what you want to see next and stay tuned for some special content because, boy, we got some for you. Let's start off with the Hawks. Big moves, making some splashes in the East. Very excited about it. If you're a fan of a team, of any organization in pro sports, you want them as an organization to be very active. You don't want them to be sitting on the sidelines, not taking chances for certain opportunities. So this, if you're a Hawks fan, is going to be very pro-Atlanta. It's going to be very pro towards the Hawks and what they've done the last two years. It's been nothing short of impressive. Two playoff appearances. One unbelievable run to the Eastern Conference Finals where they fell short against the eventual champion in the Milwaukee Bucks, and then a run against the Eastern Conference Finalists runner-up win the Miami Heat, and I think for both series, in both runs, it was very apparent early on that it was going to be on the shoulders of Trey Young and his alone. Now, obviously, they have some players in Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins, but for This Hawks organization, it runs and it stops with Trey Young. If he's off, chances are that it's not going to be your night. If he's on, he's distributing the ball. He's playing well. Tough team to beat. He's a superstar. He's one of the best players in this league. Unbelievable, like unbelievable range for sure. He definitely reminds me of a Steph Curry with a little more of that moxie, a little more talkative, a little more gets in people's heads, obviously the. Ice Trey and stuff like that, or the Trey's balding, take a bow in New York City and Madison Square Garden. So fun fun guy, very personable, very big personality for sure. But especially with this run with the Miami Heat, it's very clear. The Hawks have to get some help. They have to get Trey Young surrounded by a star. So it's the offseason. They've gone through and seen Boston and Golden State, both teams that were homegrown. Made it work. They surrounded their stars with players. The Celtics went and made a big trade for Derek White. Ironically, he's on the Spurs, where the Hawks made a move for. <laughs> and the Warriors surrounded Steph Curry. They got Jordan Poole back. They got Klay Thompson healthy. They got a lot of guys back. To the, they got the gang back together, essentially. So the Hawks are in a weird spot. In each pro sport, there's this weird middle ground where your team is good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to make a run, and it's very apparent. This is that Hawks team. And like we said, to start this segment, you want your organization to be active. You want them to take chances. This is exactly what they're doing. DeJounte Murray is a beast. He's an absolute beast. I'm going to tell you a story. So this summarizes the excitement of the Hawks fan base for sure. So if you're watching Addison, <laughs> I am on the. I'm, I get a phone call from I'm about to go play pickup basketball. So I'm assuming he's like, hey, I'm on the way or hey, I'm going to be a couple minutes late or something like that. So I'm, I got my phone right next to my ear. And I didn't even know the trade had happened yet. And he, I, I'll, I get a call from him, hey, what's up? And I just hear, ah, just screams. And he's like, yo, we got DeJounte Murray. We did it. And it was the first Woj bomb of the summer, which is always exciting. And so you can tell that he is well, now, obviously, he's a extreme reaction. And my eardrum is still probably ringing from it. But it shows you how these these fans are going to be very much rewarded for a a proactive organization. This is what good organizations do. This is what well-run organizations do. They go out and they see the opportunity and they take it. They seize it. For a guy like Trey Young, you can't just sit around and say, hey, we'll go 42 and 40. We'll keep doing this year by year. Maybe we'll figure it out at some point. They were active. They took their chances and they got their star. What he brings to this Hawks team is they bring this backcourt. That's going to be so lethal. It's going to be able to do so many different things. DeJount Murray also plays great defense, which is something that Trey Young necessarily doesn't do. He's not necessarily a scrub on defense. But I think what Murray brings to the Hawks is more star power, more scoring, and it doesn't put it all on Trey Young. So if Trey Young has an off night, you could get a 25 point game from DeJounte Murray. And the Hawks are able to overcome maybe four of 13 shooting from Trey Young, even though he's probably not going to take just 13 shots. But you get what I'm saying that you're going to be able to overcome certain things. You're going to be able to, the margin of error is going to be significantly wider. Now it's not all going to be on their star. And I don't necessarily know what they're going to do with John Collins just yet, but I think if they're going to keep this little group together, so you have Trey young, you have DeJounte Murray, you have Clint Capelli you have John Collins. I don't, I think maybe Deandre Hunter is that next that forward that starts at the three potentially, but You have guys that can now contribute. Maybe this opens up for John Collins to be the three. Maybe he can get a couple extra shots. Someone isn't looking for him. Someone isn't paying attention to him. Someone's saying, hey, we got to really stop DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. This opens it up for other Hawks, excuse me, other Hawks players to succeed and do well. This is a huge trade. I know if if only Atlanta was in the West, because this would be huge. The East is so loaded, but Atlanta is also keeping up with that pace. Cleveland's going to get better. Philadelphia will be back, depending on what they do with James Harden. The Nets, we're going to put a little bookmark in the Nets. (laughs) The Celtics are going to be back. They're going to be fine. They're going to be, the heat is going to be super dangerous. The Charlotte Hornets are an improving team with the mellow ball. The Cavaliers are going to continue to do well. The Raptors are going to to do well. But you know what? You can add the Hawks to that list as an Eastern Conference contender. I think this this move makes it so to where they can make that run in 2020, that 2021 season where the the Bucs won the championship, but be able to get over that hump when Trae Young is struggling or potentially hurt. This is a huge move for the Hawks. I'm so happy for Atlanta fans. This is exactly what you want to see in your organization. And that's a big time move for a franchise that's going to make some big time, have some big time wins next year. I'm saying it now, I'm calling it. They're going to be some contenders in the East, maybe even a dark horse. All right, in this next step, we're going to get into how Davo Sweeney, this could be his best class yet. Here's why. So normally I don't talk about Clemson that much on this podcast, even though we have those interviews. If you want to see them, we have one with Bo Collins, Barrett Carter, Marcus Tate, Ricky Sapp, and a bunch of other. If you want to check out the show, that's what we're about. We do interviews and we talk about stuff daily. That's just for whoever is listening that isn't regularly listening to the show, just what we're about. So I don't normally talk about Clemson on my own. I'm usually talking with athletes or coaches. And it's kind of weird. This is not one that I have wanted to make necessarily because I don't want to come across as like super biased because I do go to Clemson. I've been a Clemson fan my entire life. So I have to kind of separate. There's like a wall that I have to kind of divide being like, hey, I want to be objective. But at the same time, this really excites me. So Clemson's 2023 class has been completely insane. They have 12 commits in the month of June alone. It has been absolutely fascinating to see how that process has developed. And not this video is going to be titled why this could be Dabo's best class yet. Not necessarily in terms of talent or what they potentially could do, but I think the class of 2023, their commitments alone send a message. And they won't necessarily be on the field. It necessarily speaks to what the Clemson culture is all about and what Dabo Sweeney's built over the last decade. Plus, it's crazy that he's been there this long. He's kind of grown up in this program as I have. As because he started in 2008. I was seven years old. I'm almost 21, and he's two national championships in and 10 straight, 10 win seasons. It's kind of crazy. So let's talk about last year. Last year was a weird one for sure. They went to the playoff with Trevor Lawrence. They lost their top quarterback, their top running back, with both going to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first round. And so there was that like air that was almost sucked out of the offense. The defense was coming back for sure, all loaded. The defensive line it always brings it. It's crazy with Clemson D-line, you or wide receiver, you, whatever you want to call it. But there was a significant drop in production that you had to fill in and replace. You had new guys coming in, like Will Shipley, maybe Kobe pace or Phil Moff, who was going to take that role. And then of course there's DJ Uyunga It's not a secret that he struggled last year. And it's not a secret that a lot of the fans and a lot of Clemson media out and the media outside of Clemson were really tough on how this season went. Didn't necessarily live up to expectations, A lot of people thought it should be playoff or bust. It was a tough loss opening to Georgia where honestly one throw decides it. I think that you potentially have a three, three game going in overtime. There's a lot of debate on how that potentially could go, but it was strange because Clemson made a lot of significant improvements. They won six straight games to end the season. They won their bowl game. They beat Iowa state. It was a very positive ending to a weird season. That's how I describe it it was weird because there was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of negative energy. And so you really look towards the future after a season like this, you go say, so how do kind of Clemson rebound from this or rebound? Because most programs I feel would love to have a 10 win season. And that'd be called a disappointment, which is crazy. I want to emphasize that because I'm going to be having this hopefully on Tiger net. Hopefully some people see this. I want people to know that are Clemson fans. I don't like bashing them. And I don't think they should be for a season like this, but how I want to kind of elaborate on it is you look to the future. You look to see how things progress. How will this program go from here or where will they go from here? So this 2023 class sends a big message. It shows that recruits across the country still look to Clemson as a place to go to as one of the top country, top schools in the country. It sees that Dabo Sweeney, despite losing his top two coaches, assistant coaches in Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, and Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, both huge parts of this recruiting process that have gotten tons of talented players over to Clemson to win tons of games, tons of playoff games, a lot of success, national championships. That is all gone. There's a huge vacuum, this weird area. You bring in Wes Goodwin, you bring in Brent, you not necessarily bring them in because they were already within the program, you just elevate them from a certain position. And they have made some big time recruitment. We got Christopher Velina, you know Noble Johnson. A lot of these big time stars, you have Vic Burley. There's a lot of big time guys that still want to call Clemson their home. Bazina, who's going to the Elite 11 right now as I'm making this podcast, or is already there, is going to be competing as one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. This class sends a message to the college football world that not only is Clemson not going anywhere, but they're going to be the next generation to do it because these only every three or four years we get a new set of athletes, a new set of stars, a new set of stories. It's crazy how things kind of flipped on their head flipped on his head clemson is no longer in that picture i feel i think like they're kind of here where everybody else is up here where we talk about playoff contenders are like oh alabama for sure ohio state for sure georgia why can't they make a comeback usc and texas are making headlines clemson's been kind of in this weird area this weird little bubble where they've just been kind of floating around waiting (laughs) they've been waiting for the season to start but you know what Excuse the dog in the background because I just can't control that. But they've been kind of floating. They've been kind of waiting. They've been kind of just sitting there. This class sends a message. There's a ton of talented stars, and they're not done yet. It's kind of crazy to think about. But it's almost, in a way, showing you that this program is stronger. It's built to last. That one disastrous, one bad season, one disappointing. I'm using air quotes if you're not watching on YouTube. You can see that I'm really trying to be light with those words because I don't really see last year as bad. I just see it as it's just a step in the program. It's just one bump in the hill till they get back to the national championship, which is their ultimate goal. I hope this message wasn't too convoluted or too kind of all over the place, but I did want to make a quick segment about it to kind of explain my thoughts on it and how significant this class is going to be. So I'm gonna take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk about how Mac Jones can determine the fate of the AFC East and how he is the X factor moving forward. This is man with the plan podcast. We'll be right back. All right, let's talk about Mac Jones. So you guys can see the hat. You guys can see here. This is not going to be some sort of super biased approach or anything like that. This is a very me centered podcast. When I really think about it, a lot of my teams are talking about here, but they've made some headlines enough to really validate their appearance on there for, you know, But there's been a lot of buzz around this guy this spring. Uh, There's a lot of quotes that I'm going to take. The spring of his life is one of those, is that a lot of the buzz in New England is surrounded around Mac Jones. And it was kind of like that last spring, but there was a lot of question marks. Could he take over Cam Newton's job? Could he potentially be the guy to replace Tom Brady? There was a lot of big questions. And we got a lot of answers this year. The Patriots went 10-7. and They made the playoffs. They got their butts kicked in Buffalo. But... There was a lot of positive to take away from it. There was a lot of good saying, hey, we got our guy. Let's make a couple adjustments. Let's re-sign JC Jackson. Let's do this. Let's do that. But they made it work. And the way I kind of describe New England's offseason is they didn't get better, but they didn't get worse. They kind of are in the same spot. There's a very capable playoff roster in there. But I think in terms of the AFC East, you of Buffalo, who didn't necessarily make the Biggest jump, they had Von Miller to this big contract, but how long is Von Miller going to be Von Miller? Not necessarily sure, but Josh Allen's going to be Josh Allen for a while. Buffalo's going to be amazing. The Jets, I still have a lot of questions about. This is kind of like my AFC East divisional breakdown preview within a preview in a way, but the Dolphins, they got a t- lot better. Tua, there's a lot riding on the season for them. But I think for the AFC East, a lot of it centers around Mac Jones and Bill Belichick, and here's why. So part of it is why I think that this team last year kind of went as Mac Jones went. They kind of almost copycat. It was almost like a copycat kind of thing. So the first game against the Dolphins, Mac Jones was pretty solid. He made some big, big time throws. He made some questionable decisions, especially that little toss backwards to John U. Smith. But they ended up having a costly turnover. So a little shaky first game. They ended up losing. They end up going on this six-game win streak. Mac Jones was phenomenal, making all the right throws, all the right choices, including a big-time win against Buffalo. He didn't necessarily play super great because he wasn't asked to, but he carried out the game plan. The team, they did their job, the classic New England mantra. Then you go on to the losses. Colts, Mac Jones throws two picks, I think two or three picks. The team has a lot of bad mistakes on defense, a lot of miscommunications. The Buffalo Bills game in in New England, Mac Jones, it just looks like the moment's a tad too big because you can clinch the division with a win there. The team kind of falls apart there. In Miami, week 17, a chance to still clinch the division. Mac Jones has a couple costly throws. The team falls behind early, and they can't come back in time. There's a couple times where New England, it all went on him, and whether he went, whether he flied, they flied, and when they soared far below, they soared really far below. Mac Jones has had the spring of his life. Mac Jones has also lost 15 pounds. I think he's the big X factor in the AFC East moving forward. This New England roster goes where he goes. If he has a Joe Burrow-like leap, New England will follow suit. Can they necessarily win the division against Buffalo? We're going to have to see. He's going to have to play on a different level if the Patriots are going to beat the Bills. But I think that the way I look at it is that the roster well necessarily didn't make improvements. Yes, they signed Devontae Parker. They got a nice 50-50 ball receiver for him. I think that this is a roster that is going to very much in certain games go, hey, Mac, you've got to win this for us. Or, hey, Mac, you're going to have to make three big-time throws today in order to beat the Chargers, for example. Or, hey, Mac, we're down a touchdown. Can you go and drive us to the length of the field and get us this W for us? This Patriots team will go as far as Mac Jones is willing to take them, especially this year when the roster is not as strong as maybe Buffalo or a Miami. It's going to be on the quarterback to be able to elevate them to that position to get to a, maybe a wild card berth, maybe 10 wins this year, maybe go 11 and six and squeeze into there with a loaded AFC with a lot of talent. I really like Mac Jones. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks, top 16 in our league right now. He's not going to wow you like a Lamar. He's not going to wow you like a Mahomes, but he can potentially make all the right decisions in a game. And IQ, he can beat you up here, which is still super important in this league. This New England team goes as far as Mac Jones is willing to take them. And that's pretty much where I stand on it. They could go 8-9 and nine and struggle because there's not enough around him and he's not able to elevate this team. Or they can go 11-6, make a giant run, and really take things off. There's a lot of good things. Jonu Smith has said a lot of good things about him. The Patriots tied in. This team likes what they have in him. Belichick likes what they have in him. Let's see it happen. Let's see it work. All right, guys. This was episode 95. Five more episodes away, guys. Five more episodes of the Man with the Plan podcast. Cannot wait to get to episode 100, and I know you can't wait either. Subscribe for more content. Please check out our channel. Check out all of our interviews. Check out our interviews with Ricky Sapp, Bo Collins, Marcus Tate, Jalen Slauson, Barrett Carter, whichever ones you find enjoyable. Maybe you want to see a super fan series. Comment down below what you want to see next. I'm super excited to make content for you guys, as always. Stay tuned for more. Have a great day. Take care.